0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. For Tuesday, September 13th, I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're taking a look at what manufacturers look for when deciding where to locate manufacturing for their products. And we're gonna take a look at what's happening in the world of interest rates and how that's going to affect investors over the next 12 to 18 months. The decision of where to locate usually comes down to four main factors. Number one, the availability of skilled labor at an acceptable wage. Number two, a plentiful, low-cost energy supply, number three, a favorable tax structure, and number four, access to major transportation routes by rail, ship, and highway. If you eliminate one or more of these essential items, it's enough to disqualify location for manufacturing. While the latest geopolitical energy crisis as a result of the war in the Ukraine has caused factories in Europe to close, some will not reopen. Germany's been a manufacturing powerhouse in Western Europe despite its relatively high labor cost. The labor force is highly skilled with a strong work ethic. Historically, Germany's enjoyed relatively low energy rates that have averaged about half of those compared with the rest of Western Europe. Well, we're suffering a global inflationary phenomenon. The cause of this inflation was the global printing of money by central banks the world over. And now we're in the middle of an energy crisis, partly caused by the war in the Ukraine, but also caused by years, and I mean years, of dramatic underinvestment. This period we're experiencing is analogous to the post-war 1945 era when the U.S. was moving from war financing to business financing. It was a difficult time. We all printed money while fighting the war on the pandemic. Now that the pandemic is largely over, it's appropriate to tighten monetary policy. Inflation is the direct result of too much money chasing too few products and commodities. When that happens, the price of those commodities gets bid up and it causes the producer price index, the consumer price index, and just about every other index to rise. You couple the money printing with low interest rates and easy credit, and you get asset price inflation. You get prices going up in the stock market, in real estate, and even in the bond market. We have a global financial system, where politically, governments don't necessarily need to cooperate, and often they don't, but the monetary system does largely rely on central bank collaboration. If you look back over the period of the pandemic, central banks largely acted in unison. That might have been coincidence, but I believe the European Central Bank, the Bank of England, the Federal Reserve, the Bank of Japan, the Bank of Canada, they were all in communication. Fast forward to today, we have a major divergence in central bank policy. The Federal Reserve is tightening monetary policy and raising interest rates, while the European Central Bank is now entering a period of massive stimulus. The European Central Bank had been raising interest rates slowly and in collaboration with the Fed to fight inflation. But now that Russia has weaponized the flow of gas into Europe, Europe is in a full-on energy crisis. The ECB is going to fund the purchase of gas from the U.S. and other parts of the world by printing euros. We're talking about a fiscal stimulus equivalent to 9% of GDP for private sector needs and 5% of GDP for the public sector needs. A stimulus equivalent to 14% of GDP is huge, and it's ultimately going to have an inflationary impact, not just in Europe, but globally. Right now, there's 84 ships with liquefied natural gas headed for Europe from the U.S. Gulf Coast, just as we speak. We now have a situation where the U.S. Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank have diverged on policy. One is tightening while the other one's easing. I'm going to go out on a limb and assert that the efforts by the U.S. to tame inflation in isolation by raising interest rates cannot possibly succeed without the collaboration of Europe and Japan. Some will argue that interest rates in Europe are up to one and a quarter percent, but an interest rate of one and a quarter percent is stimulative when you look through history, and Japan's rates are still being held at zero for the ten year notes, and they're at a quarter point for the short term notes. Neither of these are tight monetary policy. European Central Bank is doing what it has to do. Europe is in a resource war and it has to respond accordingly it will not be without consequences. I believe we're going to see further reduction in foreign exchange value of the euro relative to the U.S. dollar. I believe that we'll see the euro at 90 cents before the end of the year. I also believe that the effort by the Fed to reduce inflation by raising interest rates alone is going to fail because inflation is going to continue to be fueled by Europe. We also have numerous foreign governments, including China, that have traditionally been buyers of U.S. treasuries. They're no longer buying like they used to. China is running off US treasuries as they mature. They're not repurchasing. And the US will still find buyers in the short term because of the higher interest rate being offered on US treasuries compared with both Europe and Japan. But once things normalize, and frankly, that's over the horizon right now, and both the US and European banks start collaborating again, wouldn't see a lot of downward pressure on the US dollar unless the Fed maintains a premium on interest rates. That's going to take a long time for the Fed to realize that higher interest rates and reduced liquidity are not going to be enough to reduce price inflation. Higher rates will slow the economy and possibly push us into depression. But the link between energy supply and economic activity is going to become more and more visible. You can print money, but you can't print food and you can't print oil. So let's go back to where we started. We're going to see new manufacturing cropping up all over the world in locations where those four things are present. Access to skilled labor at good wages, a plentiful low cost energy supply, a favorable tax structure, and access to major transportation routes by rail, ship, and highway. I believe on that basis we're going to start to see a resurgence of manufacturing in the United States, particularly along the U.S. Gulf Coast. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.